from the Battle Born Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. Mike Nuga on the right wing. Back to McCabe. McCabe fakes the three. No look pass to Moak underneath for the slam dunk. Rice comes down the right side. Rice all the way under, lays it up and in as he split the two seven-footers, the twin towers, and Bryce went right between them. McCabe down the right side. Jordan's fallaway jumper is good. Jordan McCabe with another huge shot. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on a Wednesday. Cofield and company, Steve Cofield. Ari's back in our Finley Toyota studios. We're out here live at the Battleborn Broadcast Center. Adam Hill is the company today. Much to get to. Uh, good times around UNLV basketball, men's and women's. Women's game coming up tomorrow. On the road, the men beat Reno. Beat them pretty easily down the stretch, and Bryce Hamilton was spectacular. For the Rebels, as he's been in many of these games during a uh, six of eight run now for UNLV. That's coming up in a little bit. Lots of Raiders talk today. Some initial Raiders draft pick talk. I know Adam just wrote a big story. A lot of experts. A lot of experts in the story. So we'll reveal some of uh, what they were saying for the number one pick for the Raiders. It's Trending at 3, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. We start out with a quick thanks. <laughs> Ari sent over a story yesterday. It was a National Supermarket Employee Day. I like that one. It's good. I mean, I don't think people honor this. Uh, we kind of crushed Ari for it during the grab bag yesterday for uh, we sh- we're we sure that he is not somebody that actually appreciates employees anywhere. I'm hurt. Like he says that he does, but I don't believe him. I mean, I, I think I, I see it in stores all the time. And I, I like, I'm, I'm somebody that as much as I love the technology and the potential aspect of self-checkout, I will always go to a checkout lane because I'm I'm not I don't see that as a job that we should be taking away, and we know that's the direction that it's going. I know, and it sucks. I had a, I had a grocery store this morning, and I went right to the uh, self checkout. You're the worst. I know. But then I, the more we do it, the more the more we do it, they keep adding more and more of those lanes too. I know, but so I'm like, killing ourselves for convenience. But eventually, because then what happens is it'll be. As you'll see at some places, there's like one person watching 40 lanes. And then if you have any sort of issue, you're dead in the water. Sure. But but then I, I'll i also say this, like, not to, I guess we're going negative on National Supermarket Employee Day. I'll, I'll go to like a, like a register well, that has somebody. But no, but I'll go to a register that has somebody working. And they're like, oh, there's there's self, self-checkouts. self And I'm like, well, I don't want to use the self-checkout. You've talked about this before. Like, I don't want to use I wanna, that. I want to use you yeah. to help you keep your job. And they're like, well, self-checkout's open. Like, okay. Okay. Uh, but that's there. But I think when I mean, we think about let's let's examine this for a second because I, I have an examination later in the five o'clock hour about doing things by yourself on your own, sure, being alone, and there's a conversation again being had about the effects of COVID in the workplace, right? And this two years of not being around each other a whole lot. Like, do we have to go back to 
to where we were. And I'm trying to think of what the future is going to be like. So for something like supermarket clerk, checkout person, do they just switch to another job at the place? Like, because there are so many people now who will, won't even go to a supermarket. We know Adam Candy. Yeah. I mean, he's he's pretty much holed up, you know, for his reasons. That, that's what he does. Like, I don't know that he went to a grocery store. Like, and I don't know if he's been back inside one in two years. So is there a market where, like, you know, all of a sudden all the clerks are just delivering food to everyone? Yeah. And I, I mean, I think, like, I actually have a uh, – I have an account where I, I was thinking about putting in an order today. And I'm not going to because I actually want to go in and experience the store because I don't want everybody to go in that direction. But I think also, just as we're talking about this, we should also point out it's not just the, the clerks and the checkers. Like, there's – you know, obviously, customer service people, car people. There's the people that at the deli and the people that stock the shelves and like oh, all you these never different get rid people. Of the deli people. What do you have? An auto slicer? Those things are incredibly you would, dangerous. You would love it. Uh, uh, I don't want an auto slicer. I need someone to to make I, sure they have the right the right depth on my meat. It's amazing though. It's, I see. It's not just it's and it's not just supermarket. That's just what we're talking about specifically. The amount of people that I see just treating customer service workers and and people just in general when they're out in public yeah. terribly. It's gross. I. Uh, I think I mentioned the story yesterday. I went to one of the you know, kind of old school places in Reno for breakfast. And the guy was just, he was a lunatic with the coffee. He just kept refilling. Like every time it was at three quarters. And I said, thank you every time. Like every time the person comes over, I'm like, hey, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, does, 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 like when it gets to like six or seven thanks, are you annoying? Yeah. Well, I think about that all the time too. Like, then th- it, because then it goes to your uh, reciprocating principle. Like now I got to say, you're welcome. Yeah, it, th- I literally have that. I'm obsessed with that all the time. When and I spe- and I have a couple of places. Here. First of all, was was this guy better than the Fazoli's kid? No, no one's Remember? better than the Fazoli's kid from 12 years ago. I mean, I hope that guy is the CEO running a corporation at probably 29 years old. The, the that great. was the, that was the uh, Italian chain joint, which I think is all gone from town. Uh, but the place we used to go to was on what the west side by Trop. It was Trop and Fort Apache. And Fort Apache. He was uh, he was unbelievable. The greatest customer service worker Unreal. we've ever experienced. Was like a kid. I mean, I will say, <laughs> punch for punch, the fact that the, the coffee was refilled literally every time I get down to three quarters. That was kind of cool. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with but you. That, but that, have... kid, that kid at the Italian place with the, the breadsticks, and he was just over the top. So it was awesome. I talk about that. I work at Starbucks a lot, but I, I also, there's a there's a breakfast place. If I'm up in the morning and working on a story, I'll go to it. And it's, a, it's the same boat, though, where if they come to your table and they're, you know, there's not many people there, so like they might be at your table every two, three minutes, check on you, make sure you're okay, fill the coffee, whatever. And it's like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, yeah. really appreciate it, thank you, thank. You. And you're like, now I'm making this person say you're welcome every. Like this is obnoxious. Yeah, of but me. You could, then you could also be in the opposite situation where they never come back. I don't know. So just say thanks. You're not Maybe. putting them in a bad position. Any, you know. Um, by the way, do they have to say you're welcome, or is sure okay? Oh, you got it. I I would prefer they don't say anything. Yeah, just walk away. Just let me say thank you. Yep. And you walk away. And no, that's, I, that's just, fine. No, I appreciate you thinking about me. Right. Th- that that would be fine. But they then they say and then you're like, oh, you then, then it's weird to be like, hey, you don't have to say it every time because now you're being a jerk to be like, shut up. That's not what you mean. I just I don't want to put a person in a position to say thank you all the time. And yes, or say you're welcome every time. And yes, I overthink every single aspect of my life. I get that. But I think about that all the time. It is obnoxious to just keep saying thank you over and over again. All right. When you go to the grocery store, do you do you ever thank the person working the deli? Do you ever look at someone oh, of in the in the vegetable section and you're like, thank you so much for cleaning this and stocking it? Uh, I don't just randomly pull people away from their work. But yeah, no, I'm super. That's oh, and I'm not bragging either. That's always been I was raised right. I always thank people. I always say please. And um, and yeah, I do. Like I always say thank you to 
to anyone that I'm dealing with, Delhi or whoever. Yeah, I don't. I don't believe it either. I, I don't think we've have we ever gotten a thank. I mean, I thank people oh. at the end of the show all the time. Do we ever get a thanks from Ari for no. making his life easier, making his life pleasant at the end of the show? Well, hey guys, thanks. Do for you make my job. life pleasant? <laughs> do you? You have a job. That that's sure. fair. Actually, thank you for that, I Steve. I mean, ultimately, <laughs> well, not. I mean, you don't have to thank me for the job, but oh, I'll say this: I worked with another behind-the-scenes person in the building. Uh, what two weeks ago? In uh, last week, I don't know when, when it was in L.A. Jared could not have said thank you enough to me for wow. everything I did wow. okay. with him. Like over, it was it was so gracious and so nice of him. It was such a welcome change to be appreciated. Angel, Angel also is a big thank you guy. Yeah, he really is. Angel is. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm, well, you, I'm. You owe him. You owe him a lot because you almost got you almost <laughs> got beat up by a guy in a van on a remote. <laughs> yes. And Angel came out and laid down the law. And I've said thank you many many times. I don't believe Ari does it. I I like I don't believe All he's right. going into the store saying thank you to everybody. And to your point, you're like. Okay, you go to the vegetable section. Somebody's spraying off the vegetables or cleaning them up. I don't. Ari's like, I don't want to pull them away from their job. You don't have to. He's like, hey, that's really appreciated, man. Hey, you, you over that there. Nice. Oh, while we're on the subject, I would just like to say, since you guys are going to bury me and make this assumption that I'm this rude person, I do hate one thing, and that is when I walk into a restaurant or, you know, usually it's like the one where they're about 10, 15 feet away is where the food is and stuff, and I'm like a mile away. Hi, sir. How are you? That is really annoying. You can what? wait till I get. Well, they're actually they're actually instructed. To I do know. That. There's and a I, lot of places I, when you walk in the business. I've worked. I mean, it it can be a bit alarming. They're greeting you. Yeah. Yes, from 25 feet away. I did the same thing at a job that I won't mention. You know where it was, but yeah, so we. Why had are to, you complaining? Because that's I, a corporate level thing. Yeah, I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of that. It's okay. it's never been. I don't. I don't, I don't mind it. They want people greeted as they enter their establishment. Yeah. What's wrong with that? It's a little for. Do you want to be tracked down from 20 do you hear someone screaming your name adam from like 50 feet away doesn't that alarm you rather than make you feel welcome no, i'm like hey hey good morning <laughs> hey <laughs> all right well we're different people what can i say yes you are <laughs> yes you are yes i mean there you go. and adam's nuts. national supermarket employee day and i also wanted to throw it out um the unlv flight back yesterday was through a bunch of snow so you uh, and you showed appreciation to the pilot and the bus driver I, I took a picture of the bus with the snow and the lights, and sure. then I took a picture of the tracks to the plane. Um, I'll tell you this. I didn't dare to, uh, post it before we got back. You didn't clap, oh. did you? You don't because you, no, because you don't want to you don't want to like post a thank you before you get on the plane and then something happens with the plane. Yep. <laughs> and you like, and I think exactly like that's your last tweet. Yep. But, but I thought about I was, as soon as I as soon as I hit the ground within 15 minutes, I'm like, yeah, we post this made it safely. Well, you know, it's like. You can't thank the pilot for getting you through the snow, and then, you know, you don't arrive. I feel it. So but, I, I think about things like this. By the way, while we're on the snow, we, we have other things to go to, but could you just mention snow? It, it just reminded me. So uh, I did a lot of I did a lot of interviews today uh, just because of a story that I wrote yesterday. Um, and so I, I didn't leave my house today until 145. I am so not in tune with your what, – what did you write that got a lot of interviews? The John Jones. Oh, the John Jones. Oh, well, that's right. We got to get an update on that <laughs> yeah. later on too. So oh, you I, did a bunch. Of, you did so a bunch of MMA. The whole morning, I was, really. I was just doing interviews. You turned a bunch down too. Um, a couple, but, I did, but only because I had other things booked at that time. I mean, it was a bunch of yeah, them. All right, all right. As long so, as you say yes, ninety percent of the time. I do. But I, it would just be like, hey, can you do this? And I was like, no, I can't because I'm already doing one at that exact same time. Um, but uh, the whole point is that I did not leave my house today until one forty-five. I did not. I didn't see the the light of day. Didn't see the outside whatsoever. And we've talked about my next door neighbor with the the trailer, is the RV. Still, is he still working? It on was it? gone for for months. Yeah. 
uh, it came back like three days ago, and he's got a lot of work to do. I guess it's out at the lake or wherever it is, and he, he brought it back because he's doing oh, wow. some work on it. I love that guy. And, you know, I, and he, he now knows that we talk about it on the show, and he kind of makes fun of that. Really, really nice guy, but, you know, I'm terrible at the neighborly small talk stuff. So I walked out. He's working on the, on the thing, and I go, I was like, hey, how's it coming? And he starts ex- describing to me, like, the, the cock problem. That I, I don't know what you're talking about, dude. Like I have no idea. He that's said there's a, four different there's four different kinds of caulk and they crystallize differently and it's tough to chip it up. I don't know what's going on, but I'm just listening and like nodding along. And I go, at least we got nice weather. And he goes, it's been snowing all morning. <laughs> I had no idea. I you know what? <laughs> I had no idea either. I saw uh, Kenyon Drake posted a picture. I mean, I think he's way out on the west side, up in the hills. But he posted a picture, walked out front with a bunch of snow, and I was like. Well, I didn't even notice. Yeah, he goes, it's it's out in so high. I guess we had yeah. snow, and I didn't oh, know. know. Okay, maybe that's where he is. Maybe he's down, or you know, actually, he's, he's probably on the south side, yeah. up in the you know Anthem or you know, Hills. Uh, so he just goes, "What do you mean? It's been snowing?" And I was like, "All right, have a good day." I like I don't want to come back from that. I was totally wrong. Just trying to make small talk, and I was wrong about it. Well, you know, tomorrow Adam's story could be about maybe a brewing rivalry. It gets more heated. I don't know if it's heated between UNLV. And the Raiders. Marcus Arroyo dips into the Raiders coaching staff and now has a new offensive coordinator. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Yeah, I mean, not, I'm not mad at him. You know, I wasn't mad at him. It's just simple, like, we're in a huddle. I don't want one of his players in my huddle. It just so happened it's his son. Wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. Hanging at the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. Wait, Matt, West Conference basketball is getting pretty good, especially for Vegas because UNLV is on an uptick here, and you know they've already taken out one of the best teams at the top of the conference twice. They got swept by San Diego State. They swept Colorado State. They've got two more home games remaining against the, by the record, the first and second-best team in Boise State and Wyoming. And last night, they got a second win against Reno. So things are good right now. And there's a lot of heat around the conference. A lot of heat. That was Ryan Odom on the way back. That was from the Utah State-Boise game a couple of days ago. By the way, Boise-San Diego State last night. We'll get to that. That was crazy. But, you know, we all know Leon Rice, and he's coming to town with his Boise State team, 13-2 and in conference, coming to town on Saturday to take on the Rebels. And, you know, Leon Rice is the guy who's one of the whinier coaches in the league. He's a good coach. Frankly, Boise doesn't deserve him with the kind of support they give him from a crowd standpoint. But he was the guy who acted like a jackass in front of Dave Rice. DeVille Smith, three. Shot clock had run out. Long review. And both of the Rices are standing basically face-to-face. And Leon Rice is like, yes, right in his face. Um, And his decorum is to be questioned. And the other day... You know, unfortunately, sometimes the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Uh, his son kept jerking around during a timeout, was trying to kind of loiter <laughs> around the Utah State huddle. And Ryan Odom told, like, turn around. I, I, I don't know exactly what he said, but I, I know someone referenced it as a, maybe a mother blanker. Like, get out of here. And then dad had something to say. So when, uh, you know, when bids and seeds are on the line and there's – you got a conference that's you know, legit – seven, eight deep with teams that can all knock each other off. It's getting pretty uh, pretty heated. I want to get back to the Mountain West Conference basketball here in two minutes, but we mentioned UNLV football lost the O coordinator. Glenn Thomas goes down to Arizona State. 
defensive coordinator, Peter Hansen, leaves. He goes to the Broncos. So all of a sudden, you got an opening on the defensive line for a coach, OC, DC. They've named an OC. He's been with the Raiders for like 10 years. Yeah. Former uh, Stanford quarterback coach, played wide receiver at Colorado. So interesting choice. So I guess we'll find out more about him, you know, once he's introduced and we get back to you know, some availability here for UNLV football, but uh, going across town and grabbing one of the Raiders coaches. Yeah, Nick Holes, who's been on the staff. And again, we, we weren't sure he was going to be on the staff, but he, you know, was was still around. Uh, basically, a, a Bay Area guy, De La Salle High School in Concord, uh, one of the national powers where he attended. And then, as you mentioned, Colorado. Uh, he's been around, you know, quality control coach, wide receivers coach uh, for quite a few years with the Raiders. And uh, now brings that experience over to UNLV. So a lot of uh, pro experience, a uh, guy who obviously has been around the college game as well, uh, and is familiar with the area, which I think is, is good. No, yeah. uh, no adjustment period. And I was joking about you know any sort of rivalry between the Raiders and UNLV when it comes to this hire. Yeah, and we've also There's talked about we've issues. also talked about the past with the stadium stuff and and two of the big players in that who I think butt heads you know butted heads a bunch of times were DRF. And Mark Bedane, so I, I don't know what I don't know what the gone. current state is. I know you know Marcus Arroyo publicly, you know, says lots of good things about the Raiders and the well, stadium. I haven't talked to the new AD Eric Harper. I'm sure he wouldn't tell me anything. Well, there's levels, right? I mean, the stadium level is the administration, and that's one issue good that point. has to be worked there out. And then football operations the fo- is different. Yep. The football level is Marcus Arroyo shares an agent with Derek Carr and coat and came from Oregon, where Marcus Mariota was. Like that, there's ties all over the place on the football level. Uh, so UNLV basketball gets the job done. Uh, the story for you was more outstanding play from Bryce Hamilton. Yeah, I mean the one the one play in particular was what was the play? Was just ridiculous where he uh, he gets the defender on skates, maybe a little bit of a uh, Michael Jordan on a Brian Russell push off and uh, drops him to the ground and then steps back like eight feet. That was pretty crazy. Three. Did you hear what he said afterwards? No. Um, I mean, I think he was joking, but the way he delivers it, he's very humble. Yeah. Uh, he said, yeah, I step back to get the three because Coach Kruger doesn't like mid-range jumpers. Uh, uh, which, stand up and applaud. Which, which from an analytics standpoint, <laughs> is kind of brilliant. But, yeah, Love for it. folks who didn't see it, Kenny Foster's a guy. Anytime he got on Bryce Hamilton, Bryce was like, all right, time to go buy this dude. And he's a young guy. He's not ready to cover yeah. a guy like Bryce Hamilton. But there was there was that basket. There were a bunch of rise-up threes in the face of Trey Coleman, who's a really good defender and big at like 6'7 on the Reno side. He also had a, a layup where he switched hands left to right in between their two seven-footers. That was awesome. I can tell you, you know someone is at a superstar level, like a dominant player in the conference, when you go on the road. And for the second time I could hear, uh, this happened last night. He rose up and hit a three, I think from the top of the key, and I could hear behind me, ooh, like when the home crowd is like, oh crap, because CSU the same thing happened. I mean, he was on his way to forty two that yeah. night. But even the the uh, the Reno students were right behind me, and after a while, they're like, Ooh. they were talking a lot of trash. Like they talked a lot of trash to Jordan McCabe, and he had some big shots late, but he had a tough time early. Well, then he he went at him when I, after he finally scored because he missed like his first nine. Yeah, yeah. He uh, but with with Hamilton, they're like after a while, the any of the chirping subsided because they're like, well, crap. I mean, you, the the one I will say like the two plays that really got me to react just you know sitting at home watching uh was the 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 one where he just rose up from kind of the top of the key on an on a defender right in his face and just rose up and hit it and then that the the one big step back and and i 
like Bryce is he's he's got some emotion when he plays, but you know it's pretty subdued for the most part. It's, it's pretty it is very subdued. <laughs> but I have not seen him enjoy a basket like he did okay. that that step back. Yeah, like he not like not like pumping his fist or anything like that. Yeah. He just could not stop smiling with he, good reason. It was an amazing play. I even asked him afterwards. I said, "What was your favorite shot? Was it the layup? You know where he switched hands and air on the two seven footers?" He's like, "No, nah, the one where he fell down." Yeah, it, it was, and I I tweeted out like that was mean. It was it was a mean play. Like he, it was it was just like like you said, a completely overmatched defender, and you just embarrass him in that way. And if he obviously if he misses the three, then it, you, nobody remembers it. But what, yeah. what a shot! Well, a couple of things I addressed with Kevin Kruger after the game. I guess you you know he could have told me you're, um, but a couple of things I think that I've seen happen is when Bryce is going crazy, it becomes a, a team effort to try to cover him, and it I, I thought Reno gassed out. Oh yeah, Warren Washington was back after a. Eight games away, and he was tired throughout. Um, they were also missing one of their good players in in, in uh, Cambridge, Cambridge. Who, who they shut down last time around. He went four for twenty down here. But I think you know having to run around and give so much help and double and then recover and then Bryce is also. If you watch, Anuga does the same thing. Like they are just like back and forth, back and forth on the baseline. You have to run all over the place as a defender. Well, that was that I mean, was definitely it actually tires out the the defense, not just the one guy covering them. That was definitely the narrative of the broadcast over the last oh, twelve it? minutes of just like the, the Reno's just done covering. Like they can't, they have nothing left. Yeah, yeah. So that that was definitely what they were talking about. So super impressive there. And then you know, as as uh, most of the big wins, they get you know a contribution here or there that's massive. Dave Mwoke is becoming a really good you know backup big. We'll hope that uh, Vicky Waco is. Healthy. He's had a shoulder issue last night. I think it was a hamstring. He had ice on his hand. He got stuck in a kind of a a scrum trying to get the ball. Um, and Royce Ham does what he always you know, well always does. And he that had, was that he was had, my he other. Had, he had defen- He had great defensive rebounds. He's actually he's I think he's number two in the country in defensive rebound rate. Yeah, and he, he he's a really good rebounder. He crashes the offensive board too, and just even if he doesn't get it, he creates chaos around the rim. Right. Um, that was my other actual reaction during the game was. His ankle did not come down very nice on one of those rebounds. It looked terrifying. That was when he was limping. Up. Um, and then he, you know, he kind of ran it off a little bit and then stayed in the game. And so I was like, okay, well, I guess he's going to be all right. But it, 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 it he was ugly. he was limping a little bit after the game, and that that was actually it was a very physical game, especially in the first half. And I'll tell you, like even Bryce, like Br- Bryce Hamilton, reminded me of a fighter. Maybe you don't realize the damage they take. But uh, Bryce, after the game, had both knees wrapped in ice, just like you know, just get he's an get old little, vet, get a little, get a little flare down. So Reno Falls, I will tell you this: it's it's a diff- different atmosphere there. Um, I saw one of the local TV reporters saying, and then she's just getting the number from the school that they had ninety one forty eight paid attendance. There was less than five thousand there. Yeah, I, mean, I have picture after picture where it was really empty, and the vibe there. I don't know if Alfred's just not a likable guy. They're not winning, so that doesn't. But, you know, they've, they've been okay. They were pretty solid last year. And, man, what Musk had in terms of energy, Eric Musselman, yeah. just cannot be replaced. Well, yeah, you can tell. And, and winning at the highest level. But his energy and what he did, like – and I'm telling you, around – this is this is something, you know, we've talked about a little bit. We haven't gone crazy on Mountain West Conference basketball because, you know, to be honest, it has its place when football is going on. But there is an attendance issue everywhere, almost everywhere in this conference. CSU is in good shape. Beyond that – Everywhere is down, and some are down to like nothing. Huh. It's a weird deal because seven teams in the top hundred of the net. Yeah, yeah, no question. No question. Good basketball being played, but again, this is another one of those you know post-COVID topics that I guess we'll have to see play out here for the next couple of years to see if you know a lot of students and fans come back, or if everyone has been so trained to watch everything on TV, they're like, screw it, man, I'm not going out. 
it's possible, but I think it's, you know, like in most cases, winning will solve a lot of it. And, you know, and Musselman was more than just winning. I mean, he brought an energy to the program. And, and as you mentioned last night, it wasn't just the amount of people that were there. It was just nobody re- really seemed that into the game. Uh, and it, I guess it's a different different place there. And it just sucks for Steve Alford. Such a good dude. And it's just sad. Sad to see just bad times befallen upon him. I think eight years left on his contract. They signed him to a 10-year deal to get him a little bit cheaper. <laughs> Not working out. Um, San Diego State lost last night. Ooh, that one was rough. Back and forth game, super physical. Uh, Boise State made some terrible plays down the stretch, but they caught a break because up one, San Diego State went to the line with seven seconds left, and Matt Bradley, who's a you know player of the year candidate, he missed both free throws. And then Abu Kijab, who's awesome at drawing fouls, 230 pounds, and you know falls falls off his feet, off balance every once in a while. But he he drove hard, I think, to the right, and I mean there might have been a trip, but I it's probably a no call. Fell down. And he makes, but he made both free throws, and they yeah, win. Yeah, referees decide close games. What a they shock! De- they decide. They decide. What a shock! A lot of them, way too many. Almost all of them. Yeah. Well, Bryce is very likable. I don't know if that's going to go far enough to get him the Player of the Year in the conference. We'll see. They usually give the Player of the Year to one of the champions if they have a great player. I mean, if it were an MVP award, what Bryce has done to carry the Rebels back from, you know, not to a uh, to nine and six in conference has been. Simply incredible. And I will tell you this. If you go around the conference, I can see the respect that other athletes have for him. Like I said, I think it was Warren Washington last night in the handshake line. Oh, they're doing it. Um, he, he took a couple extra seconds, and I don't know what he was saying, but it was it looked like, hey, you know, great job, man. Yeah. That, that was really awesome. I'll guarantee you, if there's a handshake line anytime soon with Phil Mickelson and the rest of the golfers in the PGA, good luck finding a bunch of dudes to say good things about him because they just slaughtered him the last two days. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. All four players in the offensive zone now out in front. No chance to shoot for Stevenson. Centered. Eichel scores. The give and go. Stevenson to Eichel. And the Knights lead 2-0. You're listening to Cofield and Company. Live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. Jack Eichel, one of the stars of sports in this town, right? Don't need to build that one too much. He'll be successful, and uh, hockey people know who he is, and the casual hockey fans will learn who Jack Eichel is. We were talking about the uh, the star from uh, UNLV basketball, Bryce Hamilton. I think if you ask most golf fans if they had a name, you know, the four or five biggest stars in golf, they would still say Phil Mickelson. And I'm not really sure that most golf fans really care about what, Mick- what Mickelson said the other day, but other golfers did. So – Basically, in the Cliff Note version, you got Phil Mickelson talking to a reporter about, I hadn't even known about this, I guess Saudi Arabia is trying to come up with their own golf league, and they have so much freaking money that um, they're, they're throwing money left and right at PGA players trying to steal them from events. Yeah, they're trying, and, they're trying to build their own PGA Tour, essentially. They're trying to take as many players as they can. It sounds like they're now up to 20, which is oh, what, wow. they're, what they're waiting for to make an announcement. So this reporter is actually writing a book on Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson. Oh wow! I didn't. Oh, Phil, book. This isn't a random reporter. No, Phil, Phil Mickelson oh, wow. called him to kind of vent about you know all the kind of all the pushback and everything that's going on. And this was a couple months ago. So uh. so here's the issue: is this reporter decided to put it out now because Saudi Arabia is getting ready to make their big announcement of hey, we've taken all these players, we're putting together a tour, 
and we're going to have our own tour with all this money and it's going to compete with the PGA tour. So the reporter said, instead of waiting for my book to come out, this is in the book. I'm going to put it out now. Usually you do it like a month before, a week before the book comes out to, to promote it. Right. But he's saying, I'm not going to save it for that. It's too important. I'm putting it out now. So this this was a conversation for the book that is being released three months early because the reporter thought it was too important with the Saudi Arabia announcement coming. And what Phil Mickelson said was, I mean, completely unhinged and deranged as far as I'm concerned of kind of sticking up for... Well, he, ba he, basically, he basically said he understands the atrocities and human rights violations that have gone down in Saudi Arabia over the years, but essentially it's a means to an end. Their money helps us the golfers fight back against the PGA because we're powerless. Like, you know what you just said at the front end? Yeah. That's not a means to an end. Oh, we'll accept the killing and the, the human rights violations. But, I mean, it's for a good thing. This is for the golfers. Like, bruh. Yeah. This isn't a land of make-believe. You don't just get to ignore the first part of the statement. And he literally said, yeah, I know they killed Khashoggi. Yeah. Like, well, and I, I know okay. it's very dangerous to be involved with that. Yeah. Like, uh, okay. What? Well, so what? Freedom! So, so Rory McIlroy. Typical laborer, man. <laughs> fighting for all the other laborer rights. I thought Roy, that was sarcasm. I know. I thought Rory McIlroy's quote was so good yeah. where he said, you know, I don't want to kick someone when he's down, obviously, but I thought the comments were naive, selfish, egotistical, and ignorant. <laughs> like, okay, you're not going to – good thing you're not kicking him while he's down. But, yes, those are true. Now, of course, Phil Mickelson is trying to back off. Um, he has said quotes were out of context and off the record. And the reporter came right out and goes off the record. We're doing a book. You called me. He's like, you never asked to go off the record. And if you would have, I would have said, no, I'm writing a book. Yeah. Why would we go off the record? It doesn't make any sense. And, and for those uh, golf people over the years who have been more than willing to not report Phil's other side, stop. Yeah. Cause this is what you get. You're not currying any favor with him. Right, if he needs to take a dump on your head because it's convenient for him, he will do it. Of course, that's the kind of guy he is. He's a low stop character with, individual, a very low character individual. Phil Mickelson stop, always has stop been. cleaning up his messes. Yeah, and then that's that's. I mean, that's what we've had in the golf world a lot, and I'm I'm glad that it's other players really that are speaking out. I think that's important because you know I know for whatever reason, and it's completely obnoxious if we've addressed it on the show, like there is some sort of weird mistrust of the media that is, has been fostered the last couple of years that's completely ridiculous and unfair. But if it's just a media guy saying, hey, this is what happened, it, it opens up uh, the ability for people to be like, ah, media, I hate the players. The players are the ones speaking out and saying, no, bad dude. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. Oh, see, and they're going at it. Oh, yeah. Howard and Guard are not happy right now as the two of them continue to have words. We told you Jawan Howard was not happy about that timeout. Yo! And Jawan Howard just threw a right hand. And now we got a scrum. Players are pushing and shoving. This is an ugly scene. The ball is tipped. There you are, you're running for your life, you're a shooting star all the years. Makes you feel warm and fuzzy, doesn't it? I've always hated that song. No, I'm at the fight. It does. I know you hate the song, so I try to, hey. I try to squeeze it in as much as possible. Don't want no smoke, be no smoke. 
Say it again. He, he cranked it up at the wrong point. He said, don't want no smoke, won't be no smoke. Oh, wow. All right. Caleb Herring is with us. He's a good sport. He believes in sportsmanship. Adams, Michigan squad does not. Caleb, <laughs> what would what, you uh, what'd you think of the uh, dust up and then the subsequent penalty where Wisconsin really got nothing and uh, Michigan got dinged pretty good? Oh, man. I mean, <laughs> the dust up was, was silly, as most of them are in that situation. Um, I understand frustrations are high. Um, but what what it became was was a little bit much. I think that the whole uh, the whole thing that started with the timeout and being upset about that timeout. I think I've heard you know the, these unwritten rules a lot from from people, whether it's you know don't lay it up at the end of the game, you know calling timeouts, yada yada, all the, all the things that people get mad about that that give them I guess justification for being pissed that they lost. I think uh, I think that's the only part of this that I'm frustrated with from a Juwan Howard standpoint. Like I. I I can't I don't like that argument when you when you're talking about taking a punch at somebody at the end of a game. Uh have some class, have some character. That's part of it. You lose sometimes, all right? Regardless of what the winners do, you shouldn't be ever upset to the point where you're throwing punches. Now, flip side, the other side, Wisconsin, right? You shouldn't be grabbing a coach to explain yourself. If you knew that it was that sensitive of a thing, um, and you could clearly see he was visibly upset with you and pissed off. You have no business coming up and grabbing another grown man to, to initiate any sort of conversation or explanation like he's a kid, right? Uh, I mean, so that even escalated too. So it, I'm a little bit shocked that nothing came down on the Wisconsin side for their role in it. But um, the whole conversation, I mean, we got to do better. I mean, the, the fighting at the end when people beat you and you, the, the whole conversation about no more shaking hands, that's ridiculous. That's, that's like, it's like, okay, you made a mistake. It, the hundreds and thousands of times that people meet up to shake hands at the end of a game, and nothing happens. They shake hands and go to the locker room. We can't cancel that part of it. I think that's a, an important part of of sports to to keep alive for players and coaches alike. But it was just an ugly scene for everybody involved. I think with Michigan and Wisconsin there. First of all, I definitely agree with you on the timeout thing. Like stop stop whining and complaining about that. Who cares that they called a timeout? You were still pressing. They can call timeout if they want to. Don't be childish about it like Jawan was. But then, I mean, at that point. The, the the point is right. Like he wanted to just storm by. He wanted to make a point by storming by Greg Gard and just not acknowledging him. And Greg Gard grabbed him and put his hands on him and pulled him in place. But here's the other thing, and I'll get your take on on this discussion because I watched this video as as I said yesterday, probably a hundred times, and I watched it twenty more times yesterday after we talked about it. Um, I, I've probably seen it more than anyone. Like it was done. As much as there was tempers and you know, annoyed reactions. Like, it was over and done. And then Joe Kravenhoff, the real villain of the entire situation, comes flying in. And I don't know what he said. And I said it doesn't really matter. You know, Steve wants to try to find the Zapruder film and try to find out exactly what he said. I don't know what he said. But I've seen reactions like that before. Like, I don't care what it was he said. He escalated. Everybody's face just went, whoa, what? And, and got furious with whatever he said. So whatever it was is absolutely what escalated this entire thing. And then Jawan tries to grab him because as Krabenhoff is saying it, he puts his hands on a Michigan player. Jawan goes to grab him, misses. And as he tries to close his hand on him, it uh, looks like a slap or something. But uh, the whole thing is silly. Obviously, Jawan needs to be punished. Nobody's defending him. But, like, why are you running into a situation after it's kind of calmed down? Yeah, and this is like sort of with the in the same spirit of like the 
players that leave the bench rule, right? Like you, you weren't even involved in whatever happened, the flagrant foul on the court, and you leave the bench and become an instigator. You should get some punishment, right? Like you weren't involved in the initial conversation and the initial conflict, and here you are coming as an agitator, not as a peacemaker. And I think you can, like you said, watching the you can clearly define who the agitators are to the situation. And there was agitators on both sides, but it looked like for the most part, players and everybody in that initial conflict were trying to separate the two coaches. And that was what was going on until, like you said, that <laughs> the person comes in and it's like it's extremely agitating for whatever reason. And you could see Juwan Howard's face go to another level um, clearly. And it, it was like that that kind of agitation can't go unpunished from every angle that we have. The amount of microphones that are right there near that area in the court, there, there has to be some sort of audio where somebody knows what was said, right? And a deeper investigation that would lead to maybe a Wisconsin, somebody in Wisconsin getting some punishment, right? Whereas Juwan Howard's kind of the sacrificial lamb in the whole deal. I don't think he was, like you said, not defending his actions because they were childish and silly. Um, but I don't think he was the only one at fault here. There's a lot of of context that needs to be um, unraveled before we start saying that Wisconsin's out of here scot-free. They were definitely agitators on the Wisconsin side that deserve some sort of punishment as well. Caleb Herring's with us, former UNLV quarterback, one of the voices of Rebel Football on radio as well. All right, Marcus Arroyo has a new offensive coordinator, Glenn Thomas, off to Arizona State. Uh, Nick Hulse is the new guy, and I think what's interesting here is the fact that, uh, and I think, I mean, there's been no statement made, but you would assume Coach Arroyo is still calling the plays, right? Yeah, I, I would say his his thumb is going to be heavily over the offense. I I feel like that's probably why the offensive coordinator spot was filled before the defensive coordinator. Remember we talked about, I, I feel like the DC spot was more of an urgent hire. Like they needed to focus in on that uh, as a primary thing. So this, this offensive hire, I think is, like I said, someone who doesn't really have the, the resume as far as offensive coordinating and being a coordinator, um, offensive minded, obviously being around the Raiders for better part of the, the last decade. Um, and, and, a receiver coach at that and has an offensive mind for sure. Um, but I think Arroyo has now the ability to keep his thumb over that offense and kind of have Holtz fall in line with it. I mean, that's not a knock on Holtz, but it's, I think the right move for Arroyo to kind of keep the system as similar as possible with a new offensive coordinator. So I, I do like the hire. I like the, um, it's one of those things that is a side effect, I guess, of having an NFL team. I never even thought about this, but the market for your coaching staff, if you're UNLV, there's assistants who would gladly take a coordinator job at the college level um, in order to advance their career. So I'm um, getting some NFL experience into the UNLV locker room that way. I, I didn't even think about that as being a, a benefit of sharing a, a town with a with a professional team. But here we are. The the Raiders now <laughs> add to UNLV staff with with the new offensive coordinator. We'll see how that mesh goes. A wide receiver guy. So this fits my theory of UNLV's offense next season looking a lot more five wide and, and quick game air attack and being really potent in the passing game. This kind of fits that narrative with this hire, I think, with with Holtz being primarily a receiver's assistant with the Raiders. So uh, we'll see how it fits and we'll see how much the system changes. But I, I doubt it changes much. I think Arroyo does, like you said, have a big imprint on the offense going forward. So, Caleb, on game day, can you explain how it works for the quarterback when you've got the head coach calling the plays, and then you still got a coordinator there. And, and both situations, I think, are going to be pretty similar with Arroyo and Holson and uh, Lombardi, you know, at just 33 years old, working under McDaniels, who's going to call the play. What's it like for the quarterback? I, it's 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 going to be a lot. There's going to be a lot of different information, I guess, to process. Um, you're getting it from all angles, essentially. You know, I, I think, like, uh, 
like a lot of teams, uh, you go to the offensive court. I know when you think about like the Patriots, for instance, Belichick really doesn't say much to the quarterback, right? But when you got a coach, a, a coordinator, and a quarterbacks coach that that all have input or have something to say, it's really important for the communication to be in line. I, I think you don't want to ever get conflicting information from your head coach and your offensive coordinator. So there's a potential for um, some confusion with that line. So I think it's very important, top to bottom, everybody be on the same page when you're thinking about it like that. Also. Um, the game plan has to take precedent. I think everybody has to buy into game plans way more than usual, right? If it's just the offensive coordinator and quarterback commu- communicating, I think that's one line of communication where they can kind of make adjustments. But here, you don't you don't want a situation where the head coach is, is wondering what the heck's going on. What do you tell them in the headsets or or even who's in the headsets? Is it the head coach calling plays like like the McVeighs, or is it is it the offensive coordinator that's in is that that's in your ear as the as the quarterback? giving you kind of direction in between snaps. So um, that that's a potential for a disaster, I think, if the communication's off. But um, uh, the good ones make it work. I think the more voices, the more input you get, the better the outcome if you if you manage it right. Uh, UNLV football schedule came out last week. We didn't get a chance to chat about it. So when you looked over, what'd you like? What didn't you like? Well, I, you know, looking at the schedule, obviously the big ones that stand out with Cal and, and uh, Notre Dame on the schedule. Um, what I didn't like, obviously, is that Notre Dame being later in the season, not necessarily um, because, you know, football is tougher at the, at the later the season, but just because that non-con schedule kind of mixes in with conference play where, um, you know, you're playing Air Force the week before, and then you're, you're maybe a little banged up from that game, obviously, playing against that triple option. And then Notre Dame right after that, it's two tough games back to back. Fortunately, that there's a buy built in right after that. But having non-conference games in the in the meat of your schedule sometimes can be a downer, especially when you're going to be the heavy underdog to a Notre Dame team on the road. I mean, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to be able to go up to Notre Dame and and, and see that stadium and see that team for the first time live. But um, for the team, it could be a pivotal point in the season where a, a, a crushing loss or maybe an injury-filled game um, turns out to hurt the the home stretch of the season where you got San Diego State, Fresno State, and Hawaii, and then, of course, finish in with the Wolfpack. So uh, all in all, I like the schedule. I, uh, you look at it, and there's quality opponents up there. North Texas, I have, you know, some some history with that team. So that that's uh, some payback in order for UNLV there. But at Cal is a big game. So there's 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 some good games on this schedule, and most of the conferences, conference games are the same as, as they've been for the past few seasons. But uh, I'm excited to see where the Rebels find themselves during this season. Um, tough schedule again with the non-con schedule, but it's going to be fun. And I think UNLV's um, going to be up for the task this year, maybe more than they were last year. We, we'll see. They may surprise some people, but it's going to be it's going to be tough to really measure this team again with the amount of changes and attrition that's gone on. And we'll see how things go when the season starts. But I'm excited for the schedule. Have you been paying attention to what's going on with the uh, running Rebels? They've won six of eight. They just got the sweep last night. Uh, Bryce Hamilton's playing out of his mind. He's averaging uh, like 24-5 a game in conference. And now coming to town and back-to-back home games are arguably the two best teams in the conference to face the Rebels at the Thomas and Mack and Boise State and Wyoming. Yeah, I've been watching. I've been keeping an eye on it. I mean, the Lady Rebels have been playing out of their minds too this year. But um, obviously, UNLV beating Reno and sweeping that is was is huge for me um, because obviously – <laughs> Go Rebels. Um, so, no, they, they've been having a great season. I saw Bryce Hamilton had a 40-piece earlier this season. Um, I mean, his his NBA stock may be going up. Who knows where he could end up, um, you know, post-UNLV. But the way he's playing right now, he's playing like a true number one option, um, which was kind of the hope with this group. And I saw something as well. He tweeted out 
or maybe it was an Instagram post where he was just talking about the love he has for the group of guys and, and winning feels good. And, you know, it's good for him to, to be able to come back and get some wins under his belt and to feel how good it feels to win. Um, and then he also mentioned in that tweet as well that this team's still growing together. They, they've only been together for a handful of months um, and they're not possibly at their best yet. They haven't played their best according to, you know, the best player who's in that locker room. They haven't even played their best yet. So, I'm excited for UNLV kind of making a turnaround really quick. You know, we wondered how quick it would happen with the new coaching staff. We wondered if it would work, but it seems like right now they're getting back to some winning, at least, and at least making themselves a respectable opponent in the conference. That's that's huge for the UNLV program moving forward. Caleb, good spot, man. We'll talk to you. Thank you. All right, guys. Have a good one. There he is, Caleb Herring, former quarterback at UNLV. Led him to a bowl appearance. One of the voices of Marcus Arroyo radio show. And uh, does analysis along with Russ on the broadcast. So I hope a good crowd comes out for the next two games. We have a chance to go against you know two of the best teams in the conference on Saturday and Wednesday. I don't hear many people in Vegas gripe about the start times. Um, I wanted to mention something real quick. I noticed late night that Kendrick Perkins said one of his favorite things to do towards the end of the night is... Checking out UNLV basketball and Bryce Hamilton. Hmm. He's basically like a walking scoring machine, something like that. Quite an endorsement. Yeah. So K-Perk was saying he's enjoying basketball, watching UNLV. This is something we've talked about forever. Right? That late spot on the East Coast has so much value. And yet, I know I'm a broken record on this, the Mountain Time Zone schools with the 9 o'clock start their time – and the fans griping and pissing and moaning. I saw one yesterday from Boise, right? From a fan. So the crowd for Boise, San Diego State was good. It was north of 8,000. That's solid. It was an earlier start time. So it was 7 o'clock their time. Now, I've seen the complaining about, what was it, UNLV was there on Friday night? Maybe not as big an opponent, right? And people are like, oh, there's a hockey game against it in Boise. Uh, there's a lot to do. There's a lot to do in this town. I swear I saw a comment about the crowd last night where someone's like, dinner time. It's hard to be with the fam and go to the game. I'm like, what? What excuse? I mean, it's dinner time. Go That's to, every game and every major sport. Go to dinner and then go to the game. Yeah. It was at 8 o'clock. Dinner time. Have dinner now, at six. now that's the excuse. So in Boise, there's too much to do. Hockey's going against it. And we might have dinner. <laughs> Silly. I'm just like, this is... Just say you don't want to go. It's, it's that Stop easy. Stop making excuses. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas.